This is the Marketing Workshop, Episode 7. Today's guest is Maureen Werbach from thegrouppracticeexchange.com. Maureen is here to talk to us all about how to use Facebook ads to promote a group practice. All right, let's dive in. You're listening to the Marketing Workshop with John Clark. Grow your audience, serve the world. All right, I am so excited to have with us today Maureen Werbach. Um, Maureen, how's it going? Good. How are you? It's going. It's going well. Um, we we were just talking before the show a little bit, uh, and and just kind of reflecting on how I feel like I know you because you you have such a great online presence. You're all over Facebook. You have such an amazing Facebook group. Um, and it, it just kind of made me feel like this is a kind of a small community after all, in terms of people who are um, seeking out to help therapists running a, running a practice. So uh, it's good to finally meet you, so to speak. Yes. I enjoy doing podcasts pretty much for that reason, because I feel like that's the way I can meet the people that I feel like I already know through Facebook and finally see their faces in action and talk to them live. So it's really fun to be able to meet people this way. T- tell me um, a little bit about kind of how you got here and what uh, what the audience should know about you. Um, so I started my practice in 2012, and I have to say or admit that it was not something that I expected to do. I always knew I wanted to be in private practice. I'm an only child. If anyone has ever listened to another podcast or interview of me, I always sort of bring that up because I feel like it's part of my introversion and um, I I like doing things on my own and getting things done by myself. And um, so being in private practice and kind of running my own business was something that was always in my mind when I was in grad school, but never owning a group practice. Okay. It was never part of my plan. So you didn't seek that out. That wasn't part of the plan originally. And and then how did it become uh, part of the plan? So um, sort of two things. I, I started solo in June of 2012. And then I ended up hiring my first person in December of 2012. So about six months later. And, um, what I noticed was a couple of things. One, um, it, for a person who likes to be alone, like I like to, you know, I have kids and husband and I, I, I love spending time with, with them and my friends. But a lot of, a lot of times I love just reading a book quietly, um, and, and kind of having time to myself. Again, I think it's my only child part of me. Um, but I actually felt a little bit lonely by myself. Um, which is uh, for me an interesting thing because I feel like it takes a lot for me to get lonely because I like to, to have time to myself. But I, within those six months, I feel like, um, I think part of the loneliness factor was that, um, at the time there weren't all these, you know, Facebook groups for support. I'd had no friends. I had one friend, I should say, who was, um, in private practice as well. But otherwise I had no one else that I knew that was doing this. And so I was winging it on my own and kind of figuring it out, trying to figure it out, making mistakes, uh, not knowing what I was doing. And, um, I kind of got to a point where I had filled my caseload because I, I, um, didn't want to be full-time, full-time. I wanted to be around, you know, 15 clients. And so when I got to that point, I was kind of, you know, there's, a uh, ADHD in me that is not <laughs> sitting. I'm always moving. If you yeah. ask my husband, he's like, you just don't stop. <laughs> um, even in, in business, especially. Sure. 
And so um, I, when I filled up my 15 clients, I was like, well, I'm bored. What like, next? what do I do? Yeah. What do I do next? And so my, you know, na- my mind naturally went to one, I would love to have someone that's, you know, to kick ideas off of and just kind of be in this messy funness with me. Um, and B, I'm full and there's still some calls coming in. So I don't know, maybe I should hire someone. It really was so laid back. I, it was, I, um, I'm a risk taker, I'm, but I'm a, a careful risk taker, I should say. Like I don't go all in um, if I don't know, if I'm not 100% or if I'm not 75% sure I can do it. And, um, and so I don't know, I, I was young. I, I don't know when I did this six years ago. So I was kind of like, uh, I'll just do some interviews and kind of, you know, figure it out as I go. And I think if I thought any other way, I probably wouldn't have done it. If I would have really understood what it meant to be a group practice owner, I probably would have scared myself out of it. So I'm kind of glad in some sense that I did it this way. But, uh, yeah, I just, you know, November, I was like, you know, five, four or five months after starting, I was like, um, let, let's see if I can find someone that can work when I'm not in the office. And, uh, just, it kind of naturally worked. I was very lucky in that sense. That's awesome. We, we, um, we have to deal with fear, um, at any stage of private practice. Fear isolation is definitely part of the game. I think for a lot of therapists, um, and, and especially becoming a group practice owner because, um, yeah, you were bringing people in, you were bringing people to represent your name as well and your practice and this reputation you've built up. How, how did you kind of manage that, that fear when it did come up? So I don't think I had as much fear in the beginning as I should have, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, I lucked out with the first person I ever hired. She's still here with us. Wow. Um, and um, I, I, all I thought was I knew a couple of things. I didn't know a lot, but I knew a couple of things. I knew that the location I was in um, was the location I wanted to be in. I purposefully chose this area of Chicago. Um, it's also the neighborhood I live in, but I grew up here. I just, I love this neighborhood and there weren't a lot of therapists. So there was a need. And um, so once I had filled up, my uh, what I knew was I wanted to stay here. And I also, because I ended up having to move because I was subletting actually when I was solo, I was renting from a chiropractor's office. And so when I had filled my 15 clients up, I ended up taking my own, getting my own space. Um, and the, so I knew I wanted to stay in that location. And I also knew that there was a lack of services in our area, in this specific neighborhood. And so I wanted to have people that had different uh, specialties than me so that we could really cater to as many people in the neighborhood as we could. So I knew those two things. So I just set, I set about to find someone that had a different background than me. And, um, I kind of went from there. And so it was the fear did not come until things were working. And then I thought this all falls apart. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that brings up a really good question though, that I think, um, a, a lot of group practice owners face early on, which is when I'm hiring my first clinician, do I hire someone who's a, a replica of me or do I hire someone who's complimentary? And it sounds like you hired someone who was more complimentary. How did you come to that decision? Um, I, I think I really, that decision came about, um, one, because I knew the community needed therapists and, uh, needed counseling. And, um, I don't work with kids and I thought, 
you know, it'd be really good to have someone that can work with kids. It'd be really cool to have someone that can work with couples. Um, it could be really cool to have someone that, uh, can work with, uh, drug and alcohol, like do drug and alcohol counseling. And so that kind of was the main reason why I decided to expand beyond what my specialty area was. And, um, so I could just help more people in the community. Um, and so, yeah, I'd say that was the kind of the main reason, main reason why I was also, maybe that is a internal fear I didn't even realize, but I think part, probably part of it was if I replicate myself, um, aside from not being able to help people in other areas, I, I probably, if I was to look back now, was, uh, afraid that if I hired a replica of me, I don't know if there's enough people in our little area that need as much, you know, need so much of what I can give. If I keep replicating me and have a whole group practice of just people that do see what, who I see that, um, I would have a harder time finding people. And that probably was some, you know, back of the brain thought that I wasn't even aware of. It's so important, uh, when running a practice of any kind to be okay with, uh, the unknown and be okay with experimenting a bit. Right. And it sounds like, um, I mean, you've come to your knowledge about running a group practice and become a consultant for others running a group practice through just figuring it out, right? Um, and I, and I want to kind of segue that into the, um, you know, kind of the main focus for our interview today, which is on marketing and group practice. Um, you know, I started this podcast because it seemed like there was a gap between a, a lot of therapists out there right now who are doing podcasts on all things private practice, but not really narrowing in on one specific thing. Um, yep. And I, I found that the, the number one concern for therapists is how am I going to get more clients? How am I going to get a steady stream of clients, et cetera? And so to me, that goes back to marketing. And so I started to test this idea a bit, even even just to figure out, is this podcast going to be relevant for folks? Um, and, I, and so w- when you started to market um, for your first clinician that you hired, what was that like? And kind of walk us through that process the experimenting you did, maybe any setbacks you had and lessons you learned along the way. And, um, just, just kind of fill us in on that. Yeah. So when I hired my first person, what I had been doing marketing wise beforehand, um, was doing networking, um, meeting with local business owners. I was a part of the, I still am a part of our chamber of commerce, but because I'm introverted, I'm not one to, you know, really be out there. So it took a lot for me to feel comfortable enough to, you know, meet with people. So I, even now, only um, do networking, like one-on-one stuff, meeting with other therapists. I find that meeting with therapists is a huge referral source for us. And um, so once I hired my first person, again, was winging it. And so I, you know, I think, you know, part of it was that I, I knew I wanted my clinicians to be marketing for themselves as well. Because what I found was, especially because I was hiring people who had different specialties than me, I, you know, I have one therapist who's a certified drug and alcohol counselor. I don't do that. If I was to go to, you know, our local residential treatment facility and talk to them, I wouldn't have the knowledge and the experience to back up and have a good you know, conversation about what we can offer them when I don't do that sort of work. And so I always was thinking, you know, the therapist should be doing this themselves only because we have such different backgrounds 
that meeting face-to-face with other people, it should really be the therapist. Because one, if I market, even, you know, I work with adults, if I market to places, you know, that cater to adults, people are going to just refer to me, one, because I was the one that did the marketing and they're going to remember me. Um, But two, also because I'm the owner, you know, there's this sense of, you know, people just want to see the owner of businesses because they think that they're better in some way. So um, I, I found that, you know, I really wanted my clinicians to be doing that only because when you put a face and you meet the person who's, you know, the one that has that specialty versus like me going to a residential treatment facility, talking about a therapist that I have that could do the work, actually meeting that therapist was a much higher rate of getting referrals from that person than me doing it myself. Yeah. Say more about this, the, the, your involvement with the Chamber of Commerce, because I think that's really uh, kind of an overlooked resource as therapists. Can you tell us a bit how you navigated that? Yeah. So I knew that in our neighborhood, the Chamber of Commerce does a lot. Um, I wasn't sure what they do for businesses specifically, but I know that they have, you know, we have the turkey trot and beer crawls or bar crawls and all these things. They, they, they kind of make sure that the, they get the community involved in different, um, in different areas. So, um, what I kind of figured out was if I can market with other business owners that are in the community, it would be, my assumption was it would be an easy way to connect and get referrals and get my name out there without me having to do like these huge presentations. So at the time I did not want to be in front of a bunch of people at once. And, um, that kind of, kind of freaked me out. So, um, these networking events where there's other business owners really kind of helped get the name of my business out there in the community. Um, so what our chamber does, and I think all chambers in some ways do very similar things, but in other ways, you know, and how much they can help you are vary. So I'm saying this with a caveat of um, check your local chamber and have some questions that you ask them, like, what do they do for you? What do they do for businesses? How are they helping new businesses? And um, to remember that you being on a chamber is beneficial to the chamber. You're, you are essentially helping the chamber because financially you pay, you know, $100, $200 a year to be on the chamber. You're, you're, I think a lot of people look at the chamber as like them helping you out, but really you're helping them out. So make sure you vet them and that you see what they're actually doing for you. Cause you know, I'm, I've heard of some small chamber communities where it's, you know, really outdated. They're not doing much marketing themselves. The whole purpose of a chamber is that they, the chamber's there to make the community know that the business is within because they want to increase revenue within, within that community. So that's kind of what the chamber is there for is to get the community involved, shopping local, all that kind of stuff. And so when they market for you, they're actually benefiting from it because they're trying to get, you know, people in the community to see you because that improves their, you know, visibility in the community. And so vetting uh, your chamber of commerce is is a smart thing to do because, like I said, there are some out there that don't do much and it might not actually be worth it. But for the most part, chambers are really helpful because they have – not only do they market for you like on their Facebook group, which tends to have a lot of uh, people that are following it, but um, they send out newsletters. Um, they put swag bags. A lot of 
um, chambers send out to new people that move in to a house in that neighborhood. They'll send like a, a welcome bag with like a reusable tote that says the chamber information. But then inside we'll have all the local businesses like swag and stuff in there. So you can put your pens in there, business cards or whatever. And so for every new person that moves in, um, I know they do this in both the chambers I'm at, they're able to then, um, you can get your, you know, your name out there like that. But there's also some, you know, other benefits like ours has, um, the local newspaper company, the people that print our local newspaper for five cents a copy. And there's, um, 500 copies you got to give them. They can put any, like whenever I have a new workshop going out, I just give them 500 copies of our workshop flyer. They put it in the weekend paper, they stuff it in there and it's uh, five cents a copy. So it would cost me, I don't know, 25 or $30, like nothing. So it's a, it's a really, yeah. And that's a good, uh, marketing benefit for, for me, um, being on the chamber, even if they do nothing else is me being able to go to the, you know, this local neighborhood printing company and give them my, um, every time I hire a new therapist, I put a print out a bio of theirs and put it in there. So that's fantastic. So, uh, you know, I think a, a lot of therapists are intimidated by marketing in general. Um, and people tend to gravitate towards, uh, online marketing or, um, these other, these other mediums like in person, uh, giving yes. workshops or going to schools, et cetera. And it's, and I know that you do a good bit of both to, to create a really balanced kind of, uh, a marketing plan. And I also know that you've, you've talked before on other podcasts about how you make a push, uh, every time you hire a new clinician, can you say a little more about, about that push and, and how you do that? In terms of what I do marketing wise for my new people? Yeah. For someone that's okay. brand new to your practice. Yeah. So um, one thing I do is print out uh, a, like a bio sort of page and put it into our weekend paper. And then another thing I do is I put out a Facebook ad um, with a link to my clinicians. Each clinician has their own web page on my website. So it's, you know, urbanwellnesscounseling.com backslash their name. And um, I put an ad, Facebook ad out there with it, with it backlinking to their page so that, um, clients can get a feel for who they are. Um, and I do that more for the purpose of, uh, facial recognition, name recognition, doing the Facebook ads. Um, because I can, what's nice about doing Facebook ads is you can cater it, um, to zip codes and for Chicago, cause we have so many zip codes, I can really make it so that people just within, you know, the three zip codes that are surrounding us, which is, you know, likely the only people that are going to come to us because in Chicago, you know, there's therapists in different neighborhoods and you're going to see someone, a therapist in your own neighborhood likely because you don't want to drive so far. So, or it's not far. It's uh, technically a five minute drive, but it might take you 20 minutes because of traffic. So, um, I do the, yeah, the Facebook ads as well for one month. Um, I do just one month of their, their picture and their bio linking back to the website. Um, and then I talk with a therapist on their specific niche area, and we put make sure we put together a really nice Facebook page that t- reads that reads to that specific population they want to work with. Okay. Um, yeah, Great. and that's essentially it right awesome. in the beginning. So, and I want to come back to Facebook ads because I, I know you you know a lot about that, um, and so I want to hear you talk about that. You um, you know part of my initial question for you with this interview was. As a group practice owner, um, you know, most people are transitioning from 
marketing just themselves and getting really clear on what is my message, um, what is my branding, what is um, you know what is my copy going to look like on my website, and then you've got these people, or in your case, you have what like nineteen therapists. Yeah, yeah, you have an incredible (laughs) amount of therapists, and you have a really clear brand. Urban wellness counseling, right? Um, You have a really clear brand, a clear feel, but also you're able to capture the 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 uniqueness of each individual clinician. Um, How do you do that? And when you sit down with a new clinician, how do you draw that out um, to create that new uh, website copy or that new bio or Facebook ad? So, although we all have various backgrounds and specialties and people we like to work with, at least in terms of the website. um, I always try to keep it looking consistent across the pages, which seems obvious, but isn't always very obvious. But um, I make sure, I know some people will have one person that writes all the bios so that the voice sounds the same. I don't. Um, I really want the voice of the therapist to come through in their bio. So if you look, although it may feel like it's very consistent looking. It's actually each page, each therapist page is their own words. I, I don't dictate how, you know, I don't spell check. I don't, I mean, yeah, I spell check, but I don't, I don't make any edits other than, you know, misspells or something like that. Cause I really want the tone and the voice of the, each therapist to come through. Um, so I don't know. I think part, part of it is that we are just known enough now, but I think as we, when we were first starting out, I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about these things at the time, just because it was just, there wasn't this community of people online that you could shoot things back and forth through and, and get, you know, good feedback on. So I think one of the important things that I've noticed is the most helpful is aside from, you know, putting a good about me page for each clinician out there and, you know, doing some Facebook ads and all that fun stuff is sitting down with each clinician and at the, even at the interview process, I make sure that I don't want to hire someone who doesn't know who they like to work with. You know, I know there's practices out there that like to hire newly licensed people who are trying to figure themselves out and figure out who they like to work with. But, um, I tend to hire people that know that already. Um, and I don't, it's not important to me that someone has, you know, one population, they can work with several populations. It's totally fine. But I um, help them bring to light what their populations are or population is. And then we, I talk with them about how, you know, because again, going back to what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast is I market in general, the practice as a whole, my clinicians market themselves individually. Um, and this works whether you're, you have independent contractors or employees, because I know there's some things with regards to marketing where if you, it, it really depends on if you have independent contractors or employees, like you, yeah, you can't, you can't, um, you know, pay your independent contractors to market. You can't ex- make them write blog articles or anything like that. I have employees, I have two independent contractors and that's just for med management and for testing, but all my therapists are employees. And, um, so this kind of concept works, whether you have them as ICs or employees, because, um, I will give any overflow that comes through, which at this point, you know, no one really needs to market, which is why I don't require it anymore. But I've always said, if you want people to call and say, Kayla, I really want to see Kayla, then 
they're not going to do that if you've done no marketing on your own. You know, what they'll say is, I really want to see someone at Urban Wellness because they're close by, or I really want to see someone at Urban Wellness because I've heard good things about them, but they won't say anything about you. And so I think that sort of has resonated with my therapists enough. And it it does take time because most people, especially therapists, don't like to market themselves. They feel weird about it. And so it takes a little bit of time to get there. Um, but we talk about ways that work for them specifically. Like with me, I don't like doing workshops. I, I really would rather put a nail through my eyeball than like get in front of a whole group of 20 something, a hundred something people. It's a good thing. No one is making you um, do workshops then if you're that averse to them. (laughs) Yeah. But my clinical director loves it. She loves talking to people. She doesn't stop talking. She would, she really could do that all day long. So she goes and she likes to work with kids, which works perfectly. So she does a ton of workshops where she, and that's her main form of marketing. Um, she goes to each, each school in the neighborhood um, every year when the school year starts. She goes to each one and she does one talk at least at each school. And that's how she gets, I mean, she's by far our highest, like gets the most amount of referrals. Sure. sure. And, and that works for her because she it enjoys it. Um, she really yes. shines. It gives her energy. And and so what I like about what you're doing is you really meet your clinicians where they are and figure out yeah. what honors their strengths and what they're comfortable with. Uh, and then you just support them. But I, I'm right. also hearing that you really, uh, you know, as the group practice owner, you really focus on upholding that reputation of the group and really having a community, a relationship with the community um, so that your brand becomes more trusted, more well-known. Um, and I, I think that's that's a really important distinction between you know, promoting the brand and, and developing that trust with your community versus I need to market every individual you know, f- for an equal percentage and um, this amount of time per week or this many ads per week. Cause that, I think that yeah. puts a tremendous amount of pressure on a group practice owner to feel like, Oh, I've got to do all this nitty gritty work to keep each clinician full and, and keep the, the specific, their target population, you know, coming in the door. And that's a tremendous yeah. amount of pressure. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah, and again, I feel like yeah. I'm all about simplifying mm-hmm. in, in, in my practice, Every, anything I do, I've gotten to, and I wasn't always this way, but I've in the, over the past couple of years, I gotten to a point where anything that I do in this practice, anything that any of my therapists or admin do, I ask myself, is this the most simplified way we can do it? Um, and still get those, these things met. And the same goes, uh, for marketing, you know? So I, I do could not imagine myself trying to market for every person here. It would take up all of my time and it's not simple. And I don't think it's as effective as them finding their way of marketing. And so some of mine don't do face-to-face marketing. They are really good at writing blogs and they get, uh, they write so beautifully that that gets them, that gets them their clients and that's what they do. And I'm okay with them not, you know, going up to local schools or businesses and trying to introduce themselves because um, I don't want them to do something that they're not comfortable with. But they find we talk about what way works for them. So if it's blog writing, you're going to blog your butt off, right? And find and get your clients that way. If you like to do workshops and be in front of a big audience like my clinical director, then you're gonna you're gonna do that every once in a while. If you're you know if you're like me, you do some of the online stuff because you can be behind the scenes, or you do the networking with the other businesses because there's I don't know that I'm super comfortable with. Uh, but I won't, I won't do big presentations or anything like that. Just scares me. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, fair. we definitely, we definitely, um, talk to the clinicians and try to see what, what will make them succeed. Cause the last, I probably would never 
get a client if I had to do a presentation because I, I, I would be super nervous. It would show through and I wouldn't be my best self and no one would call. And so I don't want to do that with my clinicians either. I don't want to make them have to do some specific form of marketing that makes them uncomfortable because it's going to show through and it's likely going to not get them, yield them any clients anyways. So what can we do that, that really works for the individual therapists That's fantastic. and the population, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because you're not going to run. <laughs> I mean, if you're, yeah, if you're targeting kids, your, your strategy is going to be a bit different than if you're targeting adults or young adults or people right. who are into yoga. So, um, yeah, that, that's really, that's really excellent advice. Um, I want you to, I want to hear your thoughts for a few minutes on Facebook ads. Um, it's, it's something that I've experimented with a bit and have had mixed results. So I'm, I really gravitate more toward Google AdWords and that's kind of my, my bread and butter. But, um, I know that that's my, that's my mixed feelings is the Google AdWords. I tried that myself. (laughs) Well, it's, you know, and at the end of the day, I think therapists stick to what they're comfortable with and what has worked for them. And then we get kind of scared to try different things. So you and I, I could probably both use, um, you know, to, to run some campaigns on these different platforms because I know they both work, right? And right. there's no reason right. why if it's working in Chicago that it shouldn't work in Charlotte because people are on the internet, they're on Facebook, they're using it. Um, so s- say a little bit about how you run a campaign. Do you run A-B campaigns to compare um, to? Uh, how, how have you gotten that uh, this platform to work for you? Yeah, so I did a lot of trial and error um, and spend a lot of time Googling. I did Amy Crane's, uh, workshop, uh, Facebook ads in a weekend, Mm -hmm. which is very thorough and it's meant to help, you know, business owners be able to do their own Facebook ads. And she kind of explains how to do some of these things like AB campaigns and all that fun stuff. So you would recommend that workshop? I liked that workshop. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty thorough and clear. I don't know if it's, uh, something that consistently is running sure. something we can look up, but it's Facebook ads in a weekend. Sure. We'll see if we can put some information yeah. about that in, in the notes. Cause I think it is important to have a starting point yes. uh, versus just throwing money into to something like Facebook ads and right. not knowing if it's going to work at all. Right. And yeah, what I like about Facebook ads is that you can throw a little bit and just see what happens versus putting, you know, hundreds of dollars into it. And then not doing it right. Like with my Google AdWords, I was doing it myself. Um, in, I think I started in 2013 and did it for a year. And I got, there were so many negative keyword searches I kept having to put in there because people would Google other people. And then I would be like, I just paid for someone to look up John Clark LCPC in Chicago. Why would Urban Wellness show up? So I just had such a hard time. And it's something I, you know, might, I'm looking into possibly having someone else do for me at this point. You know, I can, I can afford to have someone else do that for me. And I might, you know, I'm, I talk, I'm talking to someone right now about taking over everything with regards to the Facebook ads too, because I, um, I'm a perfectionist in a lot of ways. So I keep going on Facebook ads. I tweak, I change, and I don't think that's, uh, the best use of time for other people. (laughs) So if I could say one thing that I do that I don't want people to do, it's, um, you know, have this perfection mind of needing to have it perfect. It's just let it out into the world and see what happens. But um, when it really comes down to how much time, you know, as a a practice owner, are you willing to to put into learning a new platform like this? Um, And for you, it was it was worth it. It sounds like in the beginning to uh, to learn how to run ads. But um, you also see the value in outsourcing that. 
Yes, only because I, I've, I'm not a tech person, and so I feel like I've learned as much as I can about Facebook ads and seen that it is helpful. Um, so now I just want to take it to the next level um, and have someone who's an expert at fa- literally just at Facebook ads who can who can do more in depth things. Like I've learned how to um, to do. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, the type now, but it's where you can, um, a conversion ad where you can, um, you know, have your thank you page after an opt-in be the page that it targets so that you really know that a person went through and got into your opt-in page before you're paying for that Facebook conversion. Um, that took me, I don't even know how long to figure out how to actually effectively do. Um, but with urban wellness, I have my, for my counseling practice, I have one ad that's con- continuously for, I don't know, months is up and, um, it's just, it's just a continuous ad. And that one's just an, an impressions one. Um, because I just, I'm using that as a, it's only a couple of cents an impression. Um, and it's just for visibility. So I have it set and, for, and just uh, to clarify, especially for folks who are really new to, to, uh, mm-hmm. running ads, can you explain the difference between um, it, what an impression is and what you're paying for there? Yeah, so impression just means that it's coming onto your uh, mobile app on your mobile phone or on your computer when you're on Facebook. I'm sure all of you have Googled something at some point and then gotten on your Facebook, and then as you're scrolling through your news feed, um, that thing pops sure. up there. <laughs> so you're so paying you're paying that. for someone to see it, not necessarily to click on Do it, anything. right? Which is right. a different um, a, a different kind of ad where you would pay for them to click and take yeah, action. You can do, yeah, you can do pay by yeah. click. You can do pay by yeah. So I have it um, by um, impression. I might actually now that I'm thinking about it, it might not be impression. What's the one? Um, where if they like it, there's one that's, it's not a click one, but it's where they are either liking it or thumbs upping it or hearting it or commenting. I'm doing that one, I think. So, um, because, um, Amy Crane's thing had said that it's um, more helpful than the impressions, um, to have, to have it on their engagement, engagement. There we go. It's called an engagement post. So I have an engagement one. And so, what that means is that uh, people are engaging with your post. It doesn't mean that they have to click on it to go in, but that they're either you know liking it or commenting on it or sharing it. So um, that's the one that I have that runs continuously for Urban Wellness, and it's a very general like has a picture of our um, my office, and and it just gives a description of who we are, what we do, how to contact us, um, the services that we offer, and um, that one I have running continuously because I just want. Um, urban wellness, the name to be seared into people in our neighborhoods' brains. So that's what that's the, on, the only purpose for that one is is not with the expectation that that one's going to get people to actually sign up or call us, right, but more right. that they're getting a sense of oh, I've heard of urban wellness right. before. So that yeah. when I'm doing other forms of marketing like the opt-ins and stuff, then sure. they trust us enough. Sure. So, and it's important to distinguish here that um, with those types of ads, you're not going for conversion. Um, no. Conversion meaning you're trying to get your consumer to do something as a result of uh, interacting with your ad. Um, yes. And and this is this is something that is really kind of a. a basic, uh, essential marketing idea, but something that therapists might not necessarily know a lot about. Um, Because you are really just trying to increase trust and familiarity with your brand the same way that 
um, you know, Nike ha- just has their symbol on the side of a basketball court or wherever it is and increasing that positive association. Um, right. Because the reality is the more familiar someone is with a brand, the more likely they are to trust that brand. Absolutely. And yeah. I think that's something that I would never have thought of because all I all we think about is how can we get someone in the door? We're not thinking of, yes, we're not, we're not slow. We are not slow at things. I think as a humans, we want to get to the end as fast as we can. And so to like get visibility just seems like that just, why can't I just do whatever the next step is to get them to come? And so, um, the Facebook, um, course that I took was the one thing that I got, I think was the biggest takeaway that I got out of it was I need to slow down in some ways and not think that just because I want to jump to the end that everyone else is going to jump to the end of this. And so I had, that's what made me decide to do the, um, post engagement. And what that's done is it increases, uh, people on my urban wellness, Facebook page itself. It increases, um, my Google analytics cause I can see people are going to the website and just looking at it. Um, but then, uh, when I have workshops and stuff, like I just, um, next week or the 11th, my one of my clinicians is doing a five week social skills group for second through fourth graders. And we filled it within a week because then when we put that ad out, which was a conversion ad, they people had already seen us enough times on Facebook to be like, oh, my kid does need, you know, social skills help. So this is perfect. Versus if I saw something random about um, something that I need, if I've never now, if it's a T-shirt or something I want to buy, fine. I might click on it because it looks right. But if it's for a service for me or my family, if I've never heard of them, I'm not going to be as willing to go and, and put my money. Yeah. Versus if I've seen their stuff around and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've, you know, I've seen that name around several times now. They must be doing yeah. something right. <laughs> so your, your goals really vary for the types of um, ads yes. that you're running. And I want to run through a couple of them that I heard. One is simply increasing Facebook likes so that more people are following urban wellness in Chicago. Um, there's a benefit to that. Obviously you're growing your audience in a certain way. Um, there's simply driving more traffic to your website, which Google analytics is going to tell you that that this is a good thing. You've got X number of people coming through Facebook and clicking on Urban Wellness, which is good for your SEO, right? right? So there's another benefit. And then you've got um, through building trust and doing these impressions, um, these impression ads, you can also promote an event and, right. um, and, and get those conversions and already have that trust built with your audience. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so that's kind of where in terms of marketing now at this point, that's where I'm spending most of my time is doing these kind of things. Um, because my clinicians are now, you know, now understand that what they can do is things like the blog writing, sure. the face to face marketing, and I'm more on the back end so that I don't have people calling wanting just to see me, which yeah. is a issue yeah. that I hear a lot of group practice owners say yes. they have. Yeah. Yeah. That's a common one. And we could probably spend an episode just right. on that. Um, you know, one of the, the things that kind of has held me back from doing more Facebook ads is I've just thought kind of intuitively, you know, when people are looking for a therapist, where do they go? And my th- first thought is, well, Google. they don't go. To, yeah, they, they go to Google. Right. And so that's where I'm going to meet them. And I'm really looking for those conversions right off the bat. Um, where do they spend their time? They spend their time on Facebook, on Instagram, social media. Um, 
so, but I've, I initially thought, you know, people aren't going to Facebook to look for their next therapist. So why would I advertise there? And I think you, you've already started to kind of answer that question, um, through explaining how you use it in all these really unique ways. But what else would you say about that? I just think that, you know, kind of exactly what you said is that people spend so much time on Facebook and although they're not going on there to find a therapist, I think that, um, it's just, we spend, I think we spend way more time on Facebook. We go to Google for something um, purposeful, right? We're searching something. So doing what you're doing with the AdWords, if you know how to do it right and not like me, then is uh, really useful because then when people that's you're getting you're getting what you need right away in that sense. But I think it takes work to learn how to use that right as well. Uh, with the Facebook ads, people are just spending a lot more time on Facebook than they are on you know sitting on Google, just like randomly googling stuff. So when uh, I think it helps with brand recognition using the Facebook ads because people are just even if they don't need you, they're see they're seeing your stuff. You know, even if they never, even if they don't use you for the, for a long time, they may have a friend who later says, oh my gosh, I'm having such a hard time. My son is just not blah, blah, blah. And they're going to say, I, there's this place here in the neighborhood. I saw something, they have some kind of group going on. They probably won't remember exactly, but something about kids. And then they might say, I think urban something, urban wellness. And that, that would be kind of the gateway into them Googling us. So yeah, I just feel like it's just we spend so much time there. It's an easy way to um, be able to, for a very small amount of money, potentially. If you do conversions, they they cost a little bit more because you're obviously getting the scheduled appointment or you're getting the person to opt into your course or whatever. But for any of the other, you know, engagement or whatever, um, it's a couple cents. Sure. So it doesn't cost too much to see if they're tra- if it increases traffic or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's and I think, um, so it, it might be good just to, to say something briefly about if, if I want to, if there's a therapist out there who wants to run a Facebook ad campaign, uh, maybe they'll take uh, Amy Crane's course or do something comparable, but if they want to just experiment and put a little bit of money into it, where, where do you think is a good place for them to start? What do you mean where? Like with price or what? Um, price or writing an ad or which kind of ad should okay. they, yeah, should they tr- go for those you know, engagement posts? So I, I know a lot of people who start off by boosting one of their blog posts that are on Facebook and they find that to be super, uh, you know, a good way to see how helpful Facebook ads will be for them and um, kind of point them in the direction of whether they need to change their copy or the way they write or the way they post stuff is to just boost because it's easy. You don't have to do know how to do all this back end stuff of like putting in um, like you have to put stuff onto your website so that Facebook reads your website pixels and stuff. So with boosting a post, it's a little bit easier and it's literally the click of a button and you can spend $5 to boost so to speak, your post to get it more um, in the eyes, more eyes than what's on uh, on your Facebook page and see, are people receptive to it? You know, it'll give you insights and stuff where you can look and see how many people saw it, how many of those people actually engaged with, with that post and read the post or the article. So I would say starting with that is an easy way because you don't need to learn how to do all of the back end stuff that these Facebook, you know, Facebook ads, you have to kind of play around with and add pixels to your website and all that other stuff. Sure. So it becomes a little more complicated, but boosting, I know um, people like to boost their posts. And so That's great. Uh, a good thing to boost is an actual 
blog post that you've written that mm-hmm. you shared on your Facebook page. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's a great entry point, I think, for people. And again, the, the the key here is if you want to get into it, start small, experiment with it, see what kind of response you get with that ad. If you want to take it more seriously, you might think about hiring someone or outsourcing that. But right. um, again, just looking at this is Facebook is where people are spending their time. So we should be there as well. We should be using it well. Um, so that, that's fantastic. Well, Maureen, you've, you've offered some really amazing, um, uh, advice for us today and advice for advertising and advertising for a group practice. Do you have any other kind of concrete actionable tips that you might offer to therapists who, um, might be trying to market their group practice or thinking about a group practice. Uh, what what might what else might you offer? So, as the group practice owner themselves, I would start to look at what you're doing right now for marketing and figuring out a way to separate yourself from the face to face piece because I think that's what everyone's you know used to doing is going to the local schools and the communities and the and businesses, but to start really trying to embrace the technology piece because it is kind of where we're at with getting, you know, the marketing to increase. So is, is trying to figure out what haven't you, are you, you know, are you blogging? If you're not blogging, start with that. If you're blogging already, but you haven't looked at your SEO, then, you know, look at, there's some great people in these Facebook groups that help people with SEO and where you can do it yourself, where they show you how to like look on your WordPress page and use different, um, plugins and stuff to do that. Then, then focus on that. Cause getting people to your website is obviously one huge way of getting referrals. Um, my second one is actually not mine, but Allison Pereers. And I just really think it's super helpful um, and it's her suggestion she's, um, made before, which is doing like a 30 day challenge. And, um, you can do that as a group practice with yourself as the owner, but you can also make the challenge with your therapist where you just get like a calendar, print out a 30 day calendar, and then each day have people write in one thing that they can do that has anything to do with marketing. Um, and so, you know, by the end of the 30 days, you're likely to increase your referral sources, you know? Whether it's writing, you know, on Monday, I'm going to uh, think through five different blog post titles that I can, you know, that I can think of to write in the future. Then another day, it might be write one of those. Then another day might be Google local businesses that don't know about us. And then the next day, it might be email one of them, you know, and do one thing each day for 30 days. So again, that's not my idea. It's Allison's company. <laughs> well, thank I feel thank like you to Allison for, for offering yeah. that. But that's that's wonderful advice because we, we do get overwhelmed quickly as therapists and as business owners. And it's so important to break things down into to bite-sized pieces that are more manageable. So that that's that's just excellent. Yeah. 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 That would be my biggest advice aside from all of the uh, smaller things that we mentioned. Sure. It would be that. Well, this is this has been really excellent, uh, Maureen. Thank you so much for for coming on the show. I think uh, therapists are going to get a ton out of this. Um, I know that um, how I came across you is is actually joining your Facebook group. When I started my group practice, I was looking for more answers and more help, so I joined. Um, it's the group practice exchange group on Facebook, um, which is also uh, I know where you have your website and your consulting and everything. Um, that group has been invaluable to me, and so I'm. 
and encourage people who are um, either running a group practice, even if it's just two people, even if it's a small one, or planning, right, or interested in running a group, they're eligible to join this group, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. T- tell us um, how else is the best way for our listeners to reach you and, and, and what else you offer in terms of help with group practice. Sure. Um, so they can go to my website, which is thegrouppracticeexchange.com. And all my contact information is there as well if they want to schedule a 20-minute phone consultation or um, any of my other services. Some of the things I do are mastermind groups for group practice owners. Um, Right now I'm running one, and it's a six-month mastermind group. Um, I also do hourly consultation as well as I have monthly and three-month packages. And I'm in the process right now of completing my – I have a free – e-course that is a group practice startup mini course, but I'm in the process of um, completing a master class e-course that's very thorough and in-depth. So that'll be coming out um, in the next month or so. Awesome. So so many amazing resources that you're offering for the community and for therapists all over the country who are running a group practice. And um, yeah, I just so appreciate you coming on and sharing all of your wisdom and insight. And uh, again, for those listeners out there, I really encourage you to get in touch with Maureen, take one of her online courses, join the group, and really get connected um, because she really is an authority with um, with um, running a group practice. So uh, Maureen, thanks again for being on the show. Thank you. I just want to take a second to thank you for being here. This podcast has been a really fun project for me so far and uh, a great way to really just increase my own knowledge about all the marketing techniques that we can use in promoting a private practice. I'll also uh, just say that this was actually the very first episode I recorded um, of this entire podcast, even though I'm just publishing it now. So um, it's been humbling for me to go back and listen to this, listen to all the things I would do differently. And um, it, it just reminds me that Everything we do um, is just a work in progress, right? It's just about figuring things out uh, one step at a time, building on what we know, and um, not necessarily having everything to be perfect. So um, that's it for this week. If you haven't already, head over to privatepracticeworkshop.com. Check out the Business Basics Workshop, which is absolutely free. And I'll see you next time. All right, cheers. Cheers.